of HC Super Train episode 97. Welcome, everyone, welcome. And uh, I'm your host, Dan. What's happening? How you doing? How you feeling? I hope, oh God, I hope you're okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, as always. This is a short-lived TV show podcast. Um, uh, we cover short-lived TV shows, never got enough love, three shows at a time, one episode at a time. Eventually, we will cover Super Train. In this episode, we will begin with the great Tim Turner and my Tim S. Turner and myself discussing episode 12 of Nero Wolf. Then I will be discussing episode 3 of On the Air. And then Kristen Hawes, a.k.a. Kiki Writes, myself, will be discussing episode 8 of Auto Man. Yay! All right, so let, let's dive right into this one, folks. Let us hit Nero Wolf. We're going to 1981, everyone. Hold on. Episode 12, The Murder in Question, April 17th, 1981. Directed by George McGowan, written by Merwin Gerard. In this one, an ex-district attorney is, life is being threatened. Uh, Wolf and Archie are called in by the, the, the man's wife to sort of talk to him and see what's going on, who might have done this. You know, they sort of find out that several there are several people who are well known for like having threatened this guy's life when he was in office and one of them just got released from prison uh unfortunately the ex-district attorney's wife goes out in the district attorney's car and ends up being killed presumably because the killer thought that he was in the car the ex-da so archie begins to investigate going to this guy's law firm talking to his legal assistants talking to the uh his law partner talking to all sorts of other people finding this guy who got released from prison and there's something maybe shady going on there so it's basically trying to find out who was trying to kill his district ex-district attorney and accidentally killed his wife that's the those are the basics of the story and tim and i will go into great detail as we always do, right after this blast. The Murder in Question, episode 12 of Nero Wolf. I have with me a guy who I know is TST. Tst. And I just want to know, tst, how are you in this episode? Or how are you in general? Not in this episode. Like you're not in this. He's not in the episode, folks. I mean, I did bring on a guest star from Nero Wolf. Uh, how are you? Tst. Uh, well, my memories of being in this when I was 13 are, are, are limited, but <laughs> yeah, I'm doing pretty good, Dan. Oh, cool. Cool. So let me, let, let, let's just, let's just dive right in, um, to this one. Uh, what, what did you think of the murder in question, or as I call it, Timuk? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I enjoyed it more than, uh, dolls, uh, dolls of, uh, death and the dolls, but, um. I'd say it's kind of like a middle of the road Nero Wolf. Um, uh, it had some good moments. Uh, I did like the um, 
uh, our, I guess, well, I, I don't want to say what the role is, but uh, John Riley, I, I, I think, is noticeable to a lot of soap fans. I think Amanda would uh, would immediately know him because he was on General Hospital and Passions for I think like 15 years or something. Um, <clears throat> and it, it's a, it's a decent mystery. Uh, it's not top drawer Nero, but I, I think it'll do. There you go. There, that's kind of. Um, I, I, I think I realized um, what the twelve episodes in a Nero. Unless the last two really shift my thoughts on the show, I think this is a show that because um, today, before we were about to record, I had this episode and possibly one or two others that we talked about um, playing sort of in the background as I was working. And as they were playing, and I had the volume turned up, and I was doing my work, and I would stop every couple of minutes and look over and was interested, I suddenly realized that there are some shows that I need to put on and focus on. And there are other shows that, I'm sure you all have this, that you can put on in the background. I think this Nero Wolf is a put-on-in-the-background kind of show, because I the, the few episodes that I've really liked, I've really liked. But most of the episodes, like you said, are kind of, they're okay. But for some reason, having them on in the background, like, here, here's the thing, like, Battlestar Galactica, the original Battlestar Galactica. I own that on Blu-ray in that crazy, like, 15 Blu-ray set or whatever the heck it is that <laughs> has them in full frame and widescreen in Galactica 1980 in the movie. And the thing with Battlestar Galactica is that if I put on Battlestar Galactica and just sit and say, like, I'm going to watch an episode, I get about 10 or 15 minutes and go into it and think, like, oh, wow, this is pretty overly serious and po-faced and this is not as much fun yeah. as I remember. But if I put it on while I'm working and I look up every couple minutes, it's the most fun show in the world. <laughs> so some shows do that. Some shows I need, like my, my favorites, uh, Columbo, oh, yeah. 70s, 70s Columbo, uh, Green Acres. I, can, I cannot put Green Acres on in the background because I always stop what I'm doing and watch it. Yeah, you're drawn to it. Yes, exactly. Doctor Who, obviously, which is probably my mm -hmm. favorite show since I was uh, eight or nine. I, I cannot put Doctor Who on in the background. And there are just some shows like, like Get Smart is another one that came out mm -hmm. the same time as Green Acres. I have a very tough time. I could put that on the background, but that kind of pulls me a little. You know, but, th but there are shows that I'm trying to think. Um, well, Battlestar. Oh, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Another mm -hmm. Glenn A. Larson show from around the same time. When If I just sit down and watch that, it is the dumbest show you've <laughs> ever seen. But especially the first season... And especially the wonderful movie, which I think is a lot of fun, if I put on that just as I'm working or doing something else, it's so colorful and so goofy and so much fun. I just think there are some shows that are good background shows. And that's not to denigrate Nero Wolf. And maybe in two episodes I'll come away and say, no, 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 I'm wrong. But I think that's because I found I actually enjoy the show more because what, what I do is I will watch the episodes closely and take notes. And then the day before we record, I will have them playing throughout the day. 
and I always find I enjoy them more when I have them playing in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and obviously I have to know what's happening. It's a mystery, um, and it doesn't do the show any favors to watch it for the. So I, the first time I watch it, I, I watch it intently. But like this episode, I watched three times, and the first time I watched it, I was like, okay. I I will t- I, I'll tell you my problem with this episode in a moment. The second time I watched it, I took lots of notes. And by the time I got about two-thirds into it, I actually, unfortunately, I found myself checking the time on it to see how much was left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the third, the third time, while I was watching today while I was working, so I'm sitting there doing my day job work, and I'm like doing whatever it is I do. I don't. I did something today, and you know, I, I feel like bubbling. I feel like bubbling absolutely fabulous. Uh, what did you do today? I don't know. Got paid. I don't know. Something like that. I don't know what I did. Um, uh, but but I, I did it. And um, uh, but as this episode was playing, and I kept looking up at it, I had a absurd fondness for everything that was happening. And so, like the 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 really odd opening sequence with the DA, the ex DA going to his house, and the shot through his window, and what was that, honey? I dropped a glass. Yeah. Okay. That's not a good shot. Like, what, what, what? That was weird. And like the sequence where um the the wife gets shot and the car goes off the hill and explodes, and 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 Archie is is chasing after this guy he sees, and all these other scenes. For some reason, like all the guys became cooler, all the gals became more gorgeous, and everything was more. Now, I don't know if that's because I may have been doing something very boring, but if that's what makes the show better, then do that. Watch it like that. Green Acres is a funny show. That's why you should focus on Green Acres. Other sitcoms of the time... um, I don't want to denigrate any of the sitcoms of the time, but think of think of a. Okay, I'll denigrate one. Bewitched, Bewitched is very charming, <laughs> yes. but Bewitched has never made me laugh. Not even Uncle and, Arthur. Okay, Uncle Arthur makes me laugh. Come Shut on, up. Paul okay, you got me there. You got you got you got me there. You got me there. I, <laughs> there were eight seasons. I forgot. Um, but but be, Bewitched is. Oh, okay. Here's one. Here's one. My favorite Martian. I love my oh, yeah. favorite Martian, but my favorite Martian doesn't make me laugh. I, the joy of my favorite Martian is that, at its best, it had these ridiculously overcomplicated, silly plots, like Mar, you know, like Uncle Martin, you know, the the saucer is stolen and it's been put in the Smithsonian and they have to go break it out of the, you know, that, that didn't happen, but you know, something like that, <laughs> you know, and the joy of. Yeah. The, the joy of My Favorite Martian is best is that the, the best episodes are almost like Mission Impossible episodes, but with Bill Bixby and a Martian. And they're not yes. funny, but they're fun. And so something like, to me like Bewitched, it's not funny, but it's fun. Yeah. And so I could have that playing while I worked, and it wouldn't bother me. Whereas an actual show I think is funny, like Get Smart or Green Acres, would it would get on my nerves to I, I would feel like I wasn't doing it justice. But Nero Wolf, I think now that is the way I'm going to approach it from now on. And I've got a few more things to say about this episode. And um, like I said, I, in two episodes from now when we wrap this up, I may be it may be completely different, and I may be I may be sending you all. Amazon gift cards to buy the DVD sets so you can watch it and love it. 
I might also not be doing that, so don't don't quote me on that. Um, but um, what 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 else about this episode, Tim? Well, so, or tst, sorry, tst. Yeah, tst. <laughs> uh, so, so for you, this is like video wallpaper. <laughs> it, 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 not quite because um, almost um, because like like I said with Battlestar Galactica, like I have that big Blu-ray set, and I wouldn't have spent like. 80 bucks on it if it didn't mean something to me it's just like the more i focus on it the more i can see that this isn't kind of my thing quite but off to one side like the cylons and the and you know like that that two-part episode with like the giant gun in the snow and all these other great it's just so good but the more i focus on it the more i am like why? Why don't I just watch Doctor Who instead? Because it's better, yeah. you know. So well, I think so, that's. So did you say that set has Galactica nineteen eighty? It does. It it's um yeah it's uh what is it it's um the Battlestar Galactica on like six Blu-rays widescreen six Blu-rays full screen which looks better and you should watch it like that the movie on one Blu-ray and then this is interesting Galactica nineteen eighty widescreen on two discs. Full screen on three, which is interesting. Huh. So and I, yeah, so I mean, Galactica nineteen eighty is e- either the best show ever or the most dumb thing you've ever seen. I, I uh, and it's your call. It's your call. <laughs> I, I look at Galactica nineteen eighty as one of those. Let's just see if we can keep it going with only yes, one that's ex- one exactly, actor yeah. uh, that we have left. It's like you know, three's a crowd. You know, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jack Tripper, he's still doing stuff. He's still falling down and getting into awkward <laughs> sexual confusion, uh, you know, problems. And uh, oh, Robert Mandon's there now. Yeah. You know. And if a man, if a Manda's listening, and I don't think she is, um, you know, she, you know, I bet she loves Mr. Mandon. Oh, I know but, she does. Yes. Well, the thing with Galactica 1980 is the premise of it is 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 great that they find Earth and it's modern day you know at the time earth and they have to find a way to assimilate themselves the thing is like apart from that basic idea no one seemed to think ahead from there although that when the cylons show up like seven or eight episodes in that shows they are they are thinking a bit but it's just like it's it's like you need you need to be better than you were when you made yeah. that, you needed to you needed to really, if you were going to keep the show going, you needed to be you need to do a better job than that. And there are moments that are pretty good, and overall it's entertaining. But ooh, wow, there are just moments in it that just stink up the joint. Ooh. <laughs> well, I I think the thing I liked about this was it was a genuine mystery. Um, yes, yes. And although I did, I did figure it out immediately. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. yeah. I, it just, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've watched, I've watched and read so many mysteries now. Sure. That uh, there's certain tropes and cliches that come up where I, I, I just zoom, zoom in on it, and. It's sometimes it, it's a gift and sometimes it's a curse because oh no I, I've had things where it's like I'll watch something that's just really great and I'm a, and but I've figured it out like and I, mm, oh, so I don't it. enjoy yeah. it as much as other people the dumb know, the dumb the dumb people like myself watching <laughs> yeah but no I, I I did enjoy 
regardless of you know whether I thought it was kind of an easy thing to figure out, but I I, I thought it was actually kind of well done. And you had a lot of suspects. I think the only thing that I think would be a real flaw with the episode is you do have – I think there's like six suspects, but there, you don't see enough of them to give them any weight as yes, a real yeah. suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say I was surprised when the one woman blew up. Oh, my gosh. That was that was like – what the hell? I, that was a crazy moment. Yeah. That was yeah, that, it totally took me by surprise. And it actually almost threw me off of what my original, uh, you know, guess of who the killer was. Because sure. the, the, the other, there's it's two secretaries in an office, and the one's like, oh, they let they let the, the the main guy into the boss's office, and they close the door, and she goes over there and starts listening at it. And I thought, oh, she's got to be in on it. She's distancing herself from the explosion that she knows is coming. Oh. But that, of course, okay. turned out not to be the case. But um, yes. but I thought it did shock me, though. I wasn't expecting it at all because they did a really it's... good job of not doing a buildup of, ooh, look at the box. You know. Yes. Uh, they it just, j- boom, happens. It's it, it's almost like um, a, a less comedic version of um... – uh, SCTV, they blowed up real good. <laughs> oh yeah, Fox you know where you, were, yeah, yeah, and they would, and that's the way it is. Where it's like you, you cut to the one secretary and she's opening the package and smiling, and the other one's got her ear to the door and says, "Well, I just want to listen because," and then it cuts to an explosion, and the 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 secretary isn't there. Yeah, like the explosion's already happened, like blown her. To death. You almost expect to see like like shrapnels of clothing and stuff yes. falling down. Yeah, because she's already gone when it happens, and it's really surprising. Yeah. Even like I said, I watched the episode about eight times or twelve <laughs> oh times God. for this. And no, I didn't watch it. <laughs> um, but but every time it happens, I'm like, whoa, that was that was that was actually that's really well done, and I did not expect that at all. Yeah, I, I, I actually for me that was actually the highlight of the episode because it was so unexpected. Possibly, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you're I think you're probably right there. Um, uh, oh, uh, oh, um, geez, what the hell was I going to say? I will tell you that the problem I had with this episode is that, and this. So the first time I watched it, I just watched it. I didn't take notes. The second time I watched it, I took notes, and I realized the problem with the episode is that there are a lot of suspects, like you said. They don't all fully get the time they should. So, like, for example, there's that one guy who Archie meets after the funeral, mm, yeah. who he has a drink with, who seems like I, – I. it was funny because my wife watched this scene with me, and it's a really weird scene. So it starts off – it actually starts off like the opening scene of Tony Malinowski's Night of Horror because mm. you see for about 10 to 15 seconds two backs of guys, and you don't see their faces that they're sitting in a bar, and you're like – Okay, are we going to see some faces here? What's going on? You're like, we don't really see a bartender. We just see backs. And it's like, okay, what's happening? And then it cuts to the two guys. And then the one guy's there, and he's like, he's taking a drink, and he's like, I forget if Archie asked him a question, or he begins with something like, well, I guess you're going to ask me how well I knew Mrs. Dingus, or whatever her name was, you know. (laughs) Well, I knew her pretty well. And Archie kind of nods. And then I guess you're going to ask me, how well, da-da-da-da-da. Well, I did this. Then I guess you're going to ask me. And my wife said, this is the easiest interrogation yeah. Archie's ever done. <laughs> he's not. He doesn't have to say a word. The guy is doing the, the, He's doing both parts. 
And I said, it looks to me like the guy's a super method actor and showed up drunk. <laughs> is what it looks like. It looks like he's doing like Bird of Benning. Do you remember from a few episodes yes, ago yes. where Bird of Benning was like, now our good one, what we're going to – and it looked like, Burr, are you – are you are you okay there? You know, um, that's what. And and the funny thing with that guy is that guy has nothing to do with anything. No, and it's okay that you do that. But when you have like six other people, and the, I will tell. May I tell you the trickiest thing? So I'm writing down everyone's names, and it's tricky because there were a couple scenes when it's like like he's talking to his secretary. And it's like, now I don't have the names right here. I'll just use like Smith and Jones as the names. So it's like. Well, Mr. Smith um, and Mr. Jones, they haven't talked in a while. But that's because Mr. Jones got a divorce from Mrs. Jones three months ago. But Mrs. Smith, Mr. Mrs. Smith used to spend time with Mr. Jones. But Mr. Jones didn't talk to Mr. Smith after Mrs. Smith did this with Mr. Jones. And then Mrs. Jones would do it. And after a time, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? But, but they're not easy names like that. So after a time, you're like, what is what are you talking about and then they do they do something that is very tricky and then i'll stop and then I'll, I'll just say my main problem with the episode is i i had a tough time figuring out who the hell everyone was yes and um some of the, the trickiest i like identical yes exactly yeah the, yes same hair same height. yes and it's like it's like oh archie are you going to talk yes are you going to talk with the secretary yes i'm going to talk with harriet which one's Harriet? Which who? I'm gonna speak with um, you know Jane, you know Jamie. I don't. Who is that? Um, but there's a moment, and there are, and they do a really weird thing too, where Archie sneaks into an apartment that seems to be the exact same hallway, but redress two different apartments. Yes. That seem to be the exact same hallway redressed within like five minutes. <laughs> Which is really weird because I thought the first time I was watching, I thought, did I fall asleep? Is he sneaking back into that apartment yes. that he just sneaked into just a few minutes ago? But the trickiest thing is you hear about the the ex-DA, the guy who's the client whose wife is killed. You hear about his partner. The first time you see his partner, his partner is skeet shooting. Skeet surfing, yeah. skeet surfing. He's skeet shooting. And when he's skeet shooting, he's like bundled up and he has like a hat on with the brim kind of going out over his face. And he's got sunglasses on. So his hair is covered and his face is almost completely covered. And he has this talk with Archie. And once or twice he looks out over the top of his sunglasses. So what ends up happening is that when, when I actually saw that guy in a suit without a hat and sunglasses, I didn't know who he was. I didn't either. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't, don't. I mean, like, it looked like he was in, like, in a bad disguise, like he was Inspector Clouseau in a bad disguise yeah, or something. Yeah. And, and so, like, when the bomb goes off, like, these two guys kind of, like, do a Three Stooges thing where they poke their heads out from the door. And the one guy's the client, and the other guy was like, who's that? And then it took me a minute to be where I was like, oh, wait, that's the guy who was who was shooting the, the skeet stuff, whatever the hell it was. Um earlier but but that's but they sort of disguise him it's like don't do that <laughs> if you're introducing us to a suspect don't do that unless it means something and it doesn't mean anything they're just confusing us yeah well I, i'll be completely honest with you i fell asleep during <laughs> i had to rewind 
Because I was just, I was, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep because of the fires and everything. Sure, sure, and, of course. And, and so I was, I'm like, okay, I gotta watch, gotta watch this. And I'm watching it, and all of a sudden I like, ah, ah, uh, hey. I wake up and like, oh, who's Archie fighting? What's happening? And yes. So I had to rewind and start it back over about like halfway through. Um, but uh, I, you know, I, I, I think it's a serviceable TV yes. mystery. Yes, I think, and it's it doesn't like, like I I think like I didn't fully know what the ending was going to be, and there's some nice stuff with these cassettes they find hidden, and my yes. my favorite my second favorite moment is when on the cassettes, which is a recording of the the secretary who sadly who I liked who who got bl- blown up real good, yeah, um, she says on the on the on the on the, on the cassette something like go to the the Chatterman Towers apartment twenty two A, and Archie goes there, and it's a great scene where Archie doesn't say anything, but he wanders around this apartment, and you don't quite know what he's looking for. He doesn't know what he's looking for, and then he finds a picture. And for a couple of seconds, I didn't know who the picture was of. Yes, but then I realized who it was of. Who who it was of? That's isn't that terrible English? Yeah. Who the picture? Taken was of ah crap. I can't get to the good end of that sentence. You know what I'm saying. Oh. He looked at the picture, and 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 when the scene ended, I thought, okay, I saw it, but what does it mean? And then you learn what it means in the next scene. But I think I really that was a nice to me mystery scene because it's like what what is he he discovers something, but he doesn't look at it and go, oh my god. It's Tim S. Turner. You know, he doesn't do something like that. You know, and, and you're like, oh my gosh. That, you know, he just looks at it and either you're meant to glean something from it or you're meant to see it stored away and then in a few minutes they'll explain what it is. And I thought that was a nice mystery moment. Yeah. And much of the rest of the mystery is, I think, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's over convoluted but but over convoluted my English is terrible this evening that that's not something it's excessively convoluted but there's just a few um there's a few too many um uh characters and there's a bit too much going on for what's happening and the the ending sort of reveal of what's going on kind of works until you think about it more and more and then there are, it doesn't quite work as well as like Wolf. Someone shows up at the very end, and Wolf explains something that happened at the beginning. And the first time I heard it, I thought, "Oh, that's pretty good." But then when I watched it the second time, I was like, "It that I I don't I I don't want to ruin it because I think it's a decent reveal." But there's something about it that to me is a bit like could. Eh, I, I mean, I, I I don't want to reveal, but but it's just basically like it's like someone is standing in for someone else, but the someone they're standing in for is like there, nearby. So it's it's I I, I guess I guess I will just say this, oh, but this will give it away. But there's there's just something where when he, Archie goes to visit the, the XDA and his wife, and the wife says. I'm going to my charity function. Oh, I forgot my keys. They're in the kitchen. Okay, I'm going to go to the kitchen and leave. And then a few minutes later, you know, you hear the shot and the wife goes off the cliff and the car explodes. What we learn later on is that's not exactly what happened. But then you sort of wonder, the person that was in the car, how come 
where, where, how did she leave the house? And I, that may be saying too much already, but it's like, I guess maybe the, the XDA took Archie to a spot where he couldn't see what was happening. But uh, this, I really can't do this justice without giving it away. Well, it's a very convoluted plan because it's, that other guy's got to be there at that exact yes. same time. And, of course, you know, when the guy, the, 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 the Patsy who set up for it, you know, he's like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, well, I was he told. He has to do the right thing. Yes. Yeah, I, yes. I was told to not come in, but wait down here because the wife is scared of me. And yeah. uh, I would just wait here for, like, at this exact time. And it's like, dude, like, you don't think that that, that doesn't sound doesn't weird? Doesn't that sound, doesn't that sound weird? Yeah, and it's like, it's like, how many exits are there from the, yeah, I, I guess I'm giving it away there. But do, do you know what I mean? Like, yes. the, there's like, how many exits are there in the house with the actual person who got in the car? How did that person get – I mean, did they drop down from a open window on the second floor? I mean, wouldn't – you know, if like the one person – the first person was meant to be gone, how did this – and why didn't the second person say like, bye, hon, or something like that? You know, because apparently the the actual person who was in the car leaves without saying bye. Oh, I'm giving it away. Goodbye to her husband. But in, in the opening scene, the moment you hear the gunshot, she's like out of her bed or whatever. It's like, what's going on? So why wouldn't, why doesn't she, there's, it's, it, don't think about it too much is what I'm saying. Oh, damn it, Dan, you ruined the solution to a 40-year-old show. Oh. <laughs> but it's just like, it's it's one of those things where when Wolf says what's going on, it's like, oh, that's cool. But the more you think about it, the less it makes sense. Even if they have a huge house and maybe the second person left from a different route, surely they would have said, like, bye, honey, I'll be back later, or something like that. Um, Unless they were – but it's never said that they're – are they – they're not meant to be, like, estranged. I I don't know. I'm giving it away. I'm going to wrap it up. Tim, how are you? How are you? How are you? How are you? Now, do you have anything else on this one? Because I think I'm done. Uh, I think the only thing I have is a little bit of trivia. Um, mm. The the house that the the assistant or former DA or whatever it is uh, that he lives in is the Greystone Park Mansion in Beverly Hills. Uh, and I recognized it immediately because I am I'm such a Columbo nerd. Oh. It was used in the episode with Richard Basehart. And you can you can readily identify it by the brick arch archway that the cars you know come in and park, mm. um, and I thought that was kind of kind of nifty uh, seeing that. Um, but uh, no, nah, yeah, I I think uh, I think I'm uh, kind of uh, exhausted uh, my resources. On... <laughs> <laughs> so you know, yeah, so this yeah I think this is another one that's it's okay you know it's it's a it is a decent mystery but it's not um. I, I, like I said, it's not going to blow you away. Um, it, it might be better off like being something you kind of have on where you can half pay attention and maybe like, do you crochet? Maybe this is a good episode to crochet during. Do you want to learn to crochet? <laughs> this is the one to learn to crochet during. I don't know, but it's everyone's doing their best, but it's just not. It's it's yeah, it's it's not it's not bad. Yeah. I just don't think it's 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 um it's like if you're going to compare it to something like say Columbo or Ellery Queen mysteries sure. or, El- or just Ellery Queen um 
it's not that. No. Um, I mean, and also Trump. if if you've noticed that since uh, since Gambit, these episodes are very uh, sparse in actual name guest stars. They are, aren't they? Like, yeah. who, who the hell's that guy? You know, I mean, there's no. Oh, look, it's yeah. blank. You know. It, it, yes. Like a big yes, like guest. It's just kind of a bunch of probably just you know contract players that good, yeah you know character actors doing their thing universal on I TV. Guess. Yeah, and I mean like like the 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 secretary gets blown up. I found I, I found her rather intriguing, mm. um, but I don't know where I I don't think I've seen her in anything before. Now, not that if she's listening right now, please forgive us. <laughs> it's Tim's it's Tim's fault. He writes the script. Yeah, I am just reading words off of a page. You are my puppet. <laughs> so, but I you know, and it's it I I've noticed that too. Yeah, since Darren McGavin came on, it's like yeah, our guest star fund is a uh, kaput. You know, we're just gonna just do auditions and bring on some some good uh, character actors. Yeah. You know, or just you know kind of thing. Well, like I said, I mean, I do. I mean, I know that Amanda would recognize John Riley, who's the DA. Yes. Guy, mm-hmm. I know she's a big uh, soap fan. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'm like, oh, it, it's uh, who? Uh, oh, it's hmm. that? Uh, oh, no, oh, no, no, I don't no. know them either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so that was um, uh, murder, the murder in question, folks, and that's um, uh, yeah, that's episode twelve. We're almost done on Nero Wolf. Can you believe it? What's next? I don't know. I haven't watched them. Tim has though, but he's not going to talk about that now. He's going to talk about what he's up to. Uh, what are you up to? Uh, well, uh, I am the uh, co-host of Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees, a B-movie podcast with uh, Kelly Hogaboom, who, by the uh, way, uh, if you if you haven't listened, she's uh, pretty pretty damn smart and, uh, you know, makes me look uh, sometimes like I don't know what the <laughs> hell I'm talking about. Uh, and she's, she's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we're on uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Instagram and uh, you know any of those fun things the kids are doing. Uh, look for our you know random BS and uh, <laughs> we do have a, an episode coming out. Um, I think next week where we're going to be discussing the new Dave Franco directed uh, The Rental with his wife Allison oh. Bree. Oh. And uh, then a couple other things that uh, are skipping my mind, but uh, we've got some other fun stuff as well. Yay! Well, thanks. <clears throat> and um, that was that was episode twelve. And um, uh, what do we got next on the show here? Oh, you're gonna love this, unless you dislike it. If you do dislike it, I don't want to hear about it. Listen to this. <laughs> Episode 3, the second episode aired on the network June 27th, 1992. This one is directed by Jack Fisk, written by Robert Engels. And the premise behind this one is that they're, they're, they're prepping another of the shows. And they've got a brand new sponsor. I think it's like um, 
We'll hear from them in a moment, actually. Actually, um, here, here, everyone's getting prepped for everything. We learned that a big chunk of the Lester Guy show that's airing tonight will be a, um, uh, a game show called Winner Takes All, more or less. And the, the episode begins with um, uh, our director uh, kind of ogling um, four lovely ladies in tiny skirts and stockings doing a little dance for, is it Amber Jack Pipe Connectors or, or something like that? And um, let, let me play you the um, the uh, sort of dress rehearsal with Lester, and you'll he- you can hear the gals dancing with Lester and the uh, Amber Jacks. Amber, here it is, Ambergris, Ambergris, um, the uh, the pipe connectors thing. Listen to this. Having trouble laying pipe? With the Amberjack automatic connector, your pesky home plumbing problems can be as simple as why? The birds and the bees. Now, watch this. Here we have two pipes that need to be connected. Lady, on my left, we have a pipe that goes to an empty aluminium tank. Easy does it. Lovely. On my right, we have a pipe that goes to a tank on the top of our building, holding 250,000 gallons of water. <gasps> the water pressure in this tank is similar to, say, having a Sherman tank in your bathtub. A nasty plumbing <laughs> problem at best. But with a simple flip, the connector goes into the groove, joining Mr. and Mrs. Pipe, as it were, in blissful matrimony. Voila! As an added bonus, we've got these handsome pieces of sheared metal. Can be used for anything from paperweights to ash. It's funny, I... You, you know, you guys and gals know how long, guys and gals and Midnight Pals, you, you all know how long it takes me to learn the names of everyone in these shows. And you can imagine that there's so many characters in this show that I'm not going to learn them all by the end. I mean, I was still having trouble with Cal and um, Rex at the end of 39 episodes of Bourbon Street Beat, seven episodes of, of On the Air is going to leave me stranded. But a lot, lot of stuff happens in the episode, as, as with the previous episode. One of the big things going on. This is Mr. McGonagall, the um, uh, the producer, is having really bad allergies and just keeps seeing spots in front of his eyes. And um, uh, David Lander's uh, character, the uh, the director, whose name Mr. Gotchik, Got- Got- brings in a um, gentleman who gives him uh, medicine uh, that. Give, takes away the spots, but it's one of those. If you take more than one drop, when you see the spots, crazy things will happen. Uh, like I said, the, the premise of this episode is that um, they're still kind of trying to drive Betty out of there. And um, uh, Mr. Bud Waller, uh, Lester, and I um, uh, never remember her name, or the um, the producer, um, Kim. Kim. Um, uh, they're still trying to drive her out of there, so they're doing this winner-takes-all thing, um, which is, um, uh, yeah, it's a game show. It's, it's funny, I mean... Um, 
obviously we're referencing here, and I'll talk about this, but you know, they reference that you can win up to $64,000. So this was um, obviously referencing, you know, the, the game show scandals of a couple of years before, 1957. Uh, we'll talk about that briefly when we hit, um, by when I stop talking about the plot here. But they're, they're planning on um, kind of bring, bring on this guy named Professor Answer, who knows everything apparently. And Betty is bringing on as his partner, her partner, Mrs. Thistle, who was her teacher back in Connecticut. And they're going to go up against one another. they got to answer questions. You know, it's, like I said, it's a winner takes all. You can win up to $64,000. And the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the network folks aren't too thrilled about giving away $64,000. And there's a moment where you see the network execs go crazy in their little roped-off seats. And there's a duck in one of the seats. But um, So everything's happening. And, and Betty's going to go out there and do her thing. And she seems to be enjoying herself throughout uh, much of this. And... Is it Ruth, um, the uh, the uh, the happiest character on the show, or or the character on the show who knows everything that's going on, um, is is kind of is there also? Is it Ruth? I feel like it is Ruth, and I'm being a jerk because I don't remember. No, no, Ruth is the name of the. Yes, it is. Wait, shit. So Ruth is the name of the actor. Wait a minute. So it's Nicole is the name of the producer. I. It's going to be rough, guys. It's really going to be rough, me remembering all these names. Um, so just bear with me. Forgive me. I know. Please. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, I don't even remember what I was saying. So yeah, so yeah, they're prepping for the show, and they do kind of an initial... Um, well, well, let, let, me, let me play this. This is the beginning of the show. This is Lester leading the start of Winner Takes All. And now it's time for Winner Took Us All. Here's your host and interlocutor, Victor Lester Dow. Welcome. We now come to the part of tonight's show where contestants challenge the man with the highest IQ ever measured, Professor Right Answer. Our questions this evening vary in value from $50 to $5,000. And of course we have the mystery question, which goes to the team who are ahead at the end of the contest. By answering this question correctly, the total winnings will be $64,000. And play along at home, if you like. Now let's meet the challengers, shall we? First of all, someone we all know and love, our very own Miss Betty Hudson. And Betty. Who have you chosen to be your teammate in the challenge to Professor Anta? What? Is that a question? Who is your partner, Betty? My father's dead, but my mother is at home watching on television. Yes! Directly from Westport, Connecticut, Betty Hudson's grade school teacher, Mrs. Ethel Thistle! Let's get started, shall we? Mrs. Thistle's my partner. We'd like to start with a $500 question. How ambitious. Where does the word Balkan come from? It is a Turkish word meaning mountain. Correct. <laughs> Professor, what is the derivation of the word amethyst? Also known as the Bishop's Stone. It comes from two Greek words meaning not to be drunk. Correct. Where does the word bungalow come from? It means of or belonging to <laughs> Bengal. Correct. What is President Eisenhower's favorite movie? I think that Mrs. Thistle is just the door. Correct. She ought to be guarded by a troll. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on this one, and the main thing is sort of working towards the um, the big game show, and Mrs. Thistle having trouble, and Professor Answer having trouble, and and Betty just, uh, she Betty's kind of having a good time through most of. Uh, mm, yeah, no, I was gonna play you a, a brief um, 
See, no, no, uh, I'm okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to play you another little bit where they kind of just discuss the, the where, where you get to hear, um, um, uh, uh, Bunwalder, uh, Bunwalder, uh, getting mad at Lester with the sixty-four thousand dollar thing. But I'll, I'll mention that in a bit of the game show. But so, yeah, so the show is basically, it's, 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 it's kind of like the first episode. But I guess let's talk about the show. Um. To me, this episode is very much like um, the second episode that aired a police squad. And um, I'm fairly certain that that episode wasn't the second one they made. Um, but but if you've seen Police Squad, and, and uh, the great Rob Kelly and myself, congratulations, uh, Rob, by the way. Um, uh, the great Rob Kelly and myself, a long time ago. Oh my gosh, I was going to say, before the last presidential election we discussed and we were very happy we discussed the first second episodes of, of police squad and you know the the first episode is is zucker abram zucker going for broke in like a 25 minute time slot just just being crazy whereas the second episode is joe dante and the writer on that one also thrown in a lot of jokes and it's a very funny episode it's the boxing episode it's a very funny episode but it's very very specifically when you watch it it feels as if the they sort of sat down and were like okay zucker abram zucker came in they threw out every joke they had it was absolutely crazy but if this is going to sustain itself we need to calm down slightly and i've said this uh, with rob in the discussion but one of the things you'll notice about the second episode of police squad is that uh, compared to the first is that the first episode, the bit within the like credit union or whatever it is, where where Sally Decker shoots Ralph twice or Jim once or whatever the hell his name is, and um, uh, that scene is loaded with jokes, so many jokes that there is a good chance that, and maybe they this is what they wanted. There's a good chance that you 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 might not actually gauge what's going. I mean, you can gauge what's going on, but. There is a nuance or two in the plot there, figuring out why she's doing it, what's going on, what's what's happening. But it's always surrounded in so many jokes that the jokes become the point. Now, what Joe Dante and the the uh, the people who did the, the second episode did was the first four or five minutes, which sets everything up, barely has a joke in it. Yeah, there are a couple. But there are barely any jokes in it. It isn't until Frank Drabin shows up and the stage is set that the jokes begin flying. So they specifically kind of lay it out where you, you are like, here's what is happening in this story. You know, it's a cliched sort of cop story you've seen, detective story kind of thing you've seen before. But here's what's happening. Now here are the jokes. As opposed to, here are the jokes, here are the jokes, here's a little plot, here's the jokes, here's the jokes, here's some story, here are the jokes, you know... You remember when I talked about on the air episode one, I was almost overwhelmed with what was going on. This one is kind of like that too, but calms down considerably. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on, a lot of crazy, yeahness happening. It calms down quite a bit on what's happening, and um, the, yeah, there are a few moments here or there where I, I watched it. I've watched it a couple times for this. There are a few moments where I'm like, um, what? Why did that happen? What? What's going on? But it it literally does just whew, take a little deep breath and say, okay, that first episode was craziness. 
and that shows you everything that's going on. Now we take a step back, and now we'll do that again, but in a slightly calmer version. And because, like that, that previous episode was the kitchen sketch, which was just devolved into craziness and everything else. This one is—it's a game show, so it's much easier to. There's nothing abstract about it. There's nothing odd about it. There's nothing what is going on about this. It's a game show, and Lester is trying to humiliate Betty on the game show. Um, there's the crazy Mrs. Thistle, there's the weird Professor Answer, there's a McGonagall and his, his medicine, which is making him act weird, there's a dog jumping all over the set, and that kind of, that does add to it, but this this really, to me, does feel like, you know, like, maybe Mark Frost and David Lynch left the room, and they said, okay, let's do another episode like that first one, but we're just going to do it our way rather than their way which means it's a little more i don't want to say commercial because i think this is still crazy um but it's a little little more like for those of you who couldn't gauge what was happening in the first episode here's a signpost it's up ahead next stop McGonagall. No, so so i i i think to me that's what this episode feels like i like it quite a bit as i did the last episode the first episode feels like some sort of weird thing out of time strange thing the last episode mostly in the restaurant felt like an, uh, a really heightened almost surreal episode of a sitcom this feels like like i said a mix of a sitcom because it's you know um you know our star goes on a game show uh that kind of also tweaks the formula slightly and i think does it quite well i I mean, by this point, the network, obviously, if if they had skipped one episode and they were only going to show one more after skipping, you know, another, um, I think they had pretty much were kind of saying that we don't, we're dumping the show kind of thing. It's, it's hopefully as quick as we can. So, so I don't think we can look at, at all of what, how the network treated it. We have to look at what it is. And it is does build nicely on it. And the Lester Guy show is is a continual mess and the game show is not a really great one <laughs> and again it's 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 this episode though does have the um the people return the, um you get shots of audience members watching it and enjoying it and um uh kind of interacting well not interacting but looking at it and being, mm, yes okay laughing whatever with, along with the show it's odd in that the first episode i had so much to talk about the last one there wasn't as much to talk about and this one there's kind of not as much to talk about either there's a lot of craziness going on a lot of stuff is happening i will say that um the head of the comedy department there and i'm gonna get her name right this time her name is nicole um she um she yells a lot maybe more than she should maybe something's going on with the yelling just in the same way that like that like that there are a couple points in here where like i'm not 100 percent sure exactly what happens with professor answer he seems so smart and i, I know i know you see that the guys at the soundboard are letting off these sounds that really bother him but he that doesn't seem to be completely what's affecting him and making him get answers wrong and i i, I don't know if i fully understand maybe that's what it is because basically what it is is they they let off a noise um the guy the sound the sound guys um 
Blinky and Mickey, is it Blinky and Mickey? Um, let off a noise that really annoy, annoys um, Professor Answer. And um, they let that off several times during the show. And it's weird because no one really seems to um, respond to it too much. So I almost wonder if they don't hear it. Maybe just Professor Answer does. I'm not sure. You know, um, uh, you know, it's 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 a constant craziness in here, and and every once in a while, I mean, I I wonder too if it, is it is it is it is it commenting on like the contrivance of sitcoms and a lot of the stuff where just things happen, you know. So so this guy who Lester is convinced is the smartest guy around and knows everything. Clearly, it botches up most of what he's supposed to be doing, and he seems to be botching it up mainly because these guys are letting these noises, these crazy noises, off. But also, there's one point where I forget, like the, he asks him about a poem or something, and he says, "Like we were never allowed to learn poems or puns or something." I forget. It's slightly strange. I don't fully understand it, but um, you can enjoy Mrs. Thistle and McGonagall high on his drugs and um, the dog. Um, Dog, what's the dog's name? Um, the, the the you know the dog who uh, Snappy is it Snap Snaps? Uh, no Snappy the Snappy Snappy the Turtles from Psychoville. Um, Snaps or oh, Snappy the Crocodile? I'm sorry, we have a Snappy the Turtle. Snappy the Crocodile is from Psychoville. Snaps the dog is the dog on um, this, and uh, so you get you get to see all this going on, and it's kind of a tricky episode to talk about because it is so wacky with all the sound effects and all the craziness going on constantly and it moves and it moves and it moves and it never stops it's got a great pace to it i don't quite know how the show would have kept up this um over more than the seven episodes maybe they never intended to keep it up uh like this over the seven episodes but but regardless i think it's a good episode again this is my first time watching this so when i came to for example discuss police squad i love all six episodes of police squad but the first time i watched police squad on a and e back in 1986 the first one was clearly the best and it still kind of clearly is the best but the other ones are pretty damn good too and you got to kind of work that into the equation that the you know the zucker zucker abram zucker the first one is the one that where they gave it their all to sell it and get the show picked up and then they have to find a workable formula and that's what on the air seems to be doing right here which is fun I, i'm excited to see what's next like i said i haven't been watching ahead so i don't know what is happening next on the show i did want to before i wrap this up i did want to talk real briefly about uh and by the way betty's absolutely charming throughout this episode the um the the first time she's up uh, in front of the cameras in the game show and the way she's responding to the everything lester says is delightful and i just want to play this clip this is um this is just a clip where um they discuss sort of the layout of the show, the way the show works, and Lester and uh, Bud Waller uh, getting to, getting to a little bit, and they keep mentioning sixty four thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. I think America loves these harmless games of chance. Well, even I've been known to wager a dime or two on such things. <laughs> How does it work? Love. You see, it's all very simple. Professor Answer takes on all comers. This week, Betty and her seventh grade school teacher are going to compete with the professor. Now, each side takes turns answering questions. And whoever has the most money at the end of the game gets all that money, plus whatever the other team has won. It's winner take all. And what's exciting about it is that someone could win as much as $64,000. No, no, it sounds like just the thing Mr. Zablotnik loves. $64,000? Why wasn't I told about this? Why wasn't he told about this? I've been sick. 
very upset. I'm under the strictest budgetary guidelines for Mr. Zablotnik. There's nothing to fear when Professor Answer is near. The professor, why, you know, he has the highest IQ ever measured. His IQ is so high, they say his brain weighs five pounds. So what? So what? She's doing you and I a little favor, that's what? So buttons on my underwear, what the hell are you talking about? It's fixed, that's what. The whole quiz show is a phony. What? The professor, he can't possibly lose. You see, and he's donating all of his winnings to the Society Against the Use of Greenwood in orphanages. Oh, good for him. I, mean, I, am, I am the head trustee of that charity. The only trustee, in fact. There are no other members. There are no such orphanages. The professor, he's giving the money right back to us. So I just want to wrap it up after I mentioned the uh, $64,000 question real quick. I'd forgotten that the... um. The quiz show scandals were 1958. I thought they had actually happened by this time. $64,000 question was um, one of the huge, huge, huge game shows. Began in 1955. Ran in 1958 when it got canceled because of the scandals. That first season it was on, 55, 56, it was number one. During the six years that I Love Lucy ran, that was the only show to knock Lucy out of number one. Which shows how popular it was. And I think the next year, let me look. The next year, 56, 57, it was number 4. 57, 58, it was number 20. So I um, I applaud them for not mentioning the $64,000 question here. But it's also very much uh, something that was still on the air in 57. I don't, I don't know what time of the year this is meant to be. I mean, to me, I would say it's like the start of a season probably in September of 57 when $64,000 question is still you know a top 20 show, um, but very close to it becoming a scandal. And as you heard in the uh, in the clip there, it's all rigged, you know. So they they were already, you know, uh, it's it was already happening. So yeah, that's that's kind of the the fun thing here. I like that they bring that up and and, and ground that in a little um, fun reality. Well, I don't know if it's fun for the people involved in it, but it's certainly if you've seen Robert Redford's quiz show. Uh, you probably had a nice nap. I'm kidding. It's a beautiful film um, that does some things about quiz shows. So, uh, yeah, but but I like that. I like that they bring that in here and they ground that here. And, um, you know, that seems to be an area, you know, David Lynch. Um, we haven't really talked about David Lynch much, actually, as we've been going along here. I was just going to wait for another episode or two when I, I thought I might run out of something to say. You know, I never, I didn't have a lot to say on this one. But... Um, yeah, David Lynch, he's got that thing, that sort of late 50s, early 60s rock and roll, you know, I love how you love me, kind of um, uh, that sort of era of rock and roll. He really seems to get a kick out. It's, even, it's more doo-wop in, in some respects. But um, he really loves that era, and obviously he loves this era. That's why he, he, he made this show set in this era, and the quiz show scandals were a big thing at that time. So... Yeah, that's that's uh well that's episode three of On the Air, everyone. If you were watching this back in nineteen ninety two, thank you so much. I hope you come back next week because we're talking about one they didn't show. That'll be that'll be episode ninety nine, I think will be the one where um we talk about the third and final one they show. But next week, yeah, is episode uh four. Next episode, uh, episode ninety eight, we'll be talking episode four, uh which features a duck. A duck fairly heavily. And um possibly my favorite stuff from betty so far i die i'm just adoring betty in this um and she's having fun you know uh and and she's just having fun the people i think the people watching can see that she's just having fun she's not affected like lester is or um 
the big Mr. Know-it-all or whatever the heck it is, like Professor Answer. She's just enjoying herself, and she's just she's just very comfortable in front of the camera, and she's having fun. I think people like that. People spot that. So that is episode three of On the Air, and now we are going to hop over to a very special episode, but aren't they all, of Auto Man. <laughs> Auto Man, Episode 8, Renegade Run, March 5th, 1984. A little bit of a break after the previous episode. Directed by the great Alan Barron. Written by Larry Brody with uh, Douglas Hayes Jr. Uh, this one is um, uh, basically a college friend of Walter's um, contacts him because her brother who lives somewhere in Arizona has gone missing and the two of them head to Arizona to find out what's going on. And they basically come across one of those sort of classic, you know, like I think like Cannon did like 10 episodes like this, where they go to this small town that's kind of being run by this crooked sheriff who's, you know, using all the, you know, town's taxes to build his new house. And, um, you know, he's using illegal immigrants to build the house. And he has Walter and the, the sister arrested. And he's had the brother arrested. And he's just an awful piece of work. Auto Man shows up and begins to work on saving the day. As auto, only Auto Man can. But, however, the brother was in a biker gang. And he has called up the gang. And they are on their way too. And there are lots of guns. And things might get fired. And people might get hurt. So it's up to Auto Man to try to defuse everything and uh, sort of get it back, all back in place. Oh, and that one guy whose name I never remember uh, goes with Walter. Uh, Lieutenant Curtis, Jack, um, goes with Walter up there to check out what is happening. So yeah, so this one takes us outside of L.A., takes us to Arizona to a standard... Um, crappy town in the middle of nowhere kind of that you've seen it a lot before but this one has a guy who looks like he's out of tron in it so that's that's something so let me play a little blast and Kristen and i are on the other side renegade run here we go folks episode eight of auto man Oof. a little past the halfway mark here and if you notice the um the uh the air date the last episode was over a month ago so Eh, that could be good, that could be bad. Um, although, the the last episode was the end of January. This is the start of March. Could, this is 84, could the Winter Olympics have been on? Made, that would only have been two weeks, though. Eh, I don't know. I, I didn't check the schedules. I just noticed that right here. But, um, yes, yeah, so we are here for Renegade Run, and I am here with the great, the wonderful, Kristen Hawes, a.k.a. Kiki writes. Kristen, how are you? I am ready to run like a renegade, Dan. How are yes, you? Yes, yes. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, this has this has this has everything. Well, not quite everything, but it's got some fun guys in it, and it's got Auto Man having a good time. And so, um, what, well, let's start. How, what, what did you think of this one? Honestly, it should be considered one of the greatest episodes of television ever seen, <laughs> just because of the guest cast. Mm. Because I like to play a fun game. 
with guest casts when, you know, the opening credits play, and I try to guess who the bad guy is, and you cannot do that in this episode because you have uh, Richard Lynch, and you have Terry Kaiser, and you have Billy... Uh, Drago, Drago, Drago? Yeah. Drago, yeah. I think it's Drago, yeah. Yeah, so you have those three, and those three, like... Terry Kaiser's usually 70-30, he's going to be a bad guy, but Richard mm-hmm. Lynch and Billy Drago are almost like 90-10, they're going to be yes. bad guys, and when they're not, you're really suspect. Mm-hmm. So, I love the episode just because you can't decide who the bad guy is, and then when you, <laughs> you get to it, you're like, oh, well, yeah. I'm surprised yet not. Mm-hmm. So, I do like this episode quite a bit because, again, we take some standard cop show uh, trope of having corrupt cops. Mm-hmm. We add some bikers in there. We have a really kind of unnecessary follow the leaders to make Auto Man the lead of the Renegades thing that happens, which is that, you know, wonderful, like, bizarre bit Mm -hmm. that Auto Man seems to be known for now. It just, it all comes together, and it's just... It's entertaining. It's again. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like it's a little long. I don't know how this show manages yeah, to do that. Yeah. It feels like it's a little long, but for me, it's not an unenjoyable long. Mm-hmm. I'm not like waiting for the end. Mm-hmm. I'm just along for the ride. I'm along for the motorcycle ride mm-hmm. that is this episode, <laughs> and I enjoy it. <laughs> what do you think about it, Dan? I um I I I. I think I am getting near, um, and I'm trying to find a name for this this um, this thing. I'm going to call it the Hadley conundrum after Mitchell Hadley, and um, uh, and his telling me the story. And this was a few um, this was a few Avengers Super Trains ago. Um, he told the story of he and his wife watching Canon, and they'd been watching an episode of Canon once a week, one a week. And they got to like the third or fourth time where Cannon ends up in a plot line like this, where he goes to a small town, it's in the middle of nowhere, there's corrupt law enforcement, there's someone else, that sort of thing. And he and his wife kind of looked at each other and said, do you really want to watch this again, this plot line again? And they both shrugged and watched another episode. And I'm calling that the Hadley conundrum, which is where you get to the point where you can't do a certain you can't you have trouble watching a certain plot line again if that makes sense um i have for example european horror films or thrillers uh made in the late 60s 70s set in turn of the centuries all-girl boarding schools are are uh, an area where i Eh, if I see something like that, I kind of like shy away from it just because I've seen so many of them and I've kind of gotten to the end of my interest in watching that again. Now this, I'm not quite there yet with this sort of plot line, you know, like with the sheriff, the evil sheriff and the taking advantage of everyone in a small town, that kind of thing and being awful. But with this one, I almost got to that point. The thing that saved it for me is one, the cast is great and two, Auto Man is fantastic in it. I think the best, the the thing I absolutely loved about this episode was Auto Man because he seems to be in a slightly different show. You know, if everyone is kind of like in, um, I don't know, sort of almost the standard sort of '70s cop detective show, Quinn Martin kind of thing, or um, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. Um, Auto Man seems to be doing something a little different, and that biking scene where they play that the cover of Born to Be Wild, which isn't quite as you know, rockin' is the original Born to be Wild. Or you know you know what you gotta love? When you 
meet up with this tough gang of bikers who are going to go and kick ass and take names, and they're just hanging out at a bar, drinking some beer, listening to Huey Lewis covers. That is awesome. And and so my favorite thing about my favorite thing about the episode is all the stuff with Auto Man. The other stuff is good, but even the episode, like once it gets um uh Walter and is it Terry is is she the the woman he goes down there with I want to say that's her name Ter- Terry Fuentes I, I could be lying there but yes. uh, yeah um when they get down there and get arrested and get put on like the gang to build the sheriff's house even the episode seems to become a little bored with them and is more interested in watching Auto Man goof around with some bikers and so it's it's an interesting episode because I enjoyed watching it um but a few of the tropes I'm starting to get a little. I'm starting to get slightly tired of. However, having this crazy, bright blue, good-looking superhero in it was lots of fun. So I, I give it. Um, I, I, I give it not not a favorite. Certainly not as good as the last episode, but um, definitely definitely worth a viewing to see um, how they throw Auto Man into this. Who who was your favorite bad guy? Did you prefer Mr. Lynch or Mr. Kaiser? That's so difficult because mm. Richard Lynch is always so good. Yeah. And he took what could be a standard corrupt sheriff, who, again, the crime in this one, it's a lot like the crime with the episode with Clue Gulliger. He's making counterfeit money to pay for his wedding. Well, Richard Lynch is appropriating government funds to build his house. house, Yes, which is very odd. Yeah, (laughs) These are the most amazing crimes. I love this. Yeah, yeah. But Richard Lynch took a standard, you know, bad guy sheriff and, and really elevated it. Mm-hmm. But then Terry Kaiser also playing his deputy there. He could have just simply been a lackey, but he was really menacing in that he, apartment with yes, Terry. Yes, he's really almost it's bordering on unpleasant almost the way he kind of yeah. pushes her over. And then when he knocks her on the ground, he like puts his hand on her chest to hold her down, which is really like, whoa, hey, don't um, – that must have safe, – safe place. Let's keep in a safe place. Yeah. It was he was really quite threatening. So he was like above the whole typical, you know, have a lackey deputy here that just does whatever you want. He was menacing in his own right. So it was really kind of difficult to pick mm. which one was better. It's 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 just too too close to call for me. What do you think? Um, I don't. Know. I think I'm. I think I might go with Mr. Kaiser just because he was. There was a feeling of because Richard Lynch has the. Um, you know the um the calm controlled you know my whole life is just a, a racket and i so, so he's so deep into it you know like it's like you know like um like you said like he's using all the government funds to build his house with the help of illegal immigrants so it's like he's so knee deep in just craziness that there there's something there's something i think about the fact that terry kaiser sticks with him cuz no one's building him a house why is he there? Uh, you know, I mean, I guess he gets paid really well, but but he can't get paid that well because wouldn't the like the people who like hand out the salaries and give appropriations for that money wouldn't they notice that like wow you your 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 deputy makes like ten times more than any other deputy in the state? Well, he's very good. You should see well, him. Thre- you should see him threaten. They don't. They, they should seem threaten people. No, they don't. Well, they don't pay him like on the books. They would pay him under the table. Sure, of course. True, true. But it's entirely possible that he's just in it for the cruelty. He just likes being mm. evil. True, which yeah. is even more menacing than Richard Lynch building a house with illegal immigrants and 
prison slave labor. Mm, and I like, I like there, there's a, um, I, I love that bridge that Billy Drago jumps over and then they have them fixing later on because it's, it's sort of like, it's, it's clearly just, that was a bridge. Cause, cause most of the, you know, um, the movie, the, the, the episode uh, doesn't take place in Arizona folks. It's like in Stevenson ranch or somewhere near right outside of LA. In fact, some of it looks familiar. So I may have actually done extra work on some of it, but, but it's great because there's this bridge, um, that they spend a lot of time on. And it's clearly a bridge. I, I'd love to know what that was built for. Because it's clearly a bridge that was like built for something else. That was like maybe the movie finished shooting and they didn't take down the bridge. And they left it up and Auto Man's like, we want to use that bridge. And they go and they use the bridge and it's a great bridge. But enough of my bridge talk. Unless you want to talk about the bridge. I was going to talk about Lieutenant Curtis. I can't add anything to your bridge. So let's talk about Jack because I love Jack. He is precious and should be protected at all costs. <laughs> now, the great thing in this one is um, that um, Lieutenant Curtis gets to ride in the automobile. That ain't right. That's not what it's called. That's It's an automobile. The auto the car. Auto, the auto car. The auto, yeah, okay. Thank you. I was going to say, wait a minute. The automobile? I'm an idiot. What did you think of that scene where you get to see Jack in the auto car? I absolutely loved it because poor Jack. First of all, he says something to the effect of, have you ever heard of a speed limit? And Auto Man's like, sure, it just doesn't apply to me. And I'm like, so you have ridden in with the car with my family because that's how we drive. <laughs> speed limits don't apply. Yeah. But then he gets he gets the Wally turn, so he ends up getting yes. thrown against the side of the car. And I'm just, I died. Yeah. I cackle every time I watch that scene. I can't help it. I love Jack, and I love that he's along for the ride in that car it's just it's fabulous yeah it's it's really um it really is fantastic to sort of see, see just jack in that place just where you know walter was and just realizing like yeah there's you know there's got to be a point this is you know this is a special government car is is it really mr man mr a man that i'm traveling around with and I do like I, – I, I don't know this for sure, but when they did that very sharp left turn, my first thought was, oh, they fixed that storefront that the car ran into in the pilot. <laughs> well, yeah, they weren't going to leave it like of course, crumbled no. like that. They had insurance, I'm sure. Of, of course not. This is months later, and luckily they weren't being followed that time because <laughs> – you, you could just see like someone was probably in the store closing up, and they're like – this car looks familiar. Oh, no! And then the car did the sharp turn. They're like, oh, thank goodness. Whew. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so Jack is great in this and gets gets a bunch to do. Um, and um, uh, Wally gets to, to come to the rescue of, of the lovely lady, although he just ends up getting arrested and, you know, Auto Man has to save the day. But that happens. That happens. Um what what did you what did you think of the biker gang and their love for Huey Lewis covers? <laughs> I loved the biker gang. I mean, it, I mean, technically it's not really a biker gang because uh, Sid Haig and Mickey Jones weren't in there. Mm, true, but true. No William Smith. Yeah. 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 No William Smith. Mm. But as a second-rate biker gang, I thought the Renegades were quite good. Um, they were very fun, very typical biker gangish. I love that when he Auto Man tells them when he wins and he becomes their leader and he says they're going to go do free their friends from the chain gang and they're going to but he no weapons no shooting so he tells them to get rid of their weapons and they throw them on the ground which please do not throw your gun loaded weapons on the ground that is not good gun safety <laughs> but they throw them on the ground and then he's like all of them and so 
they like it's like a cartoon. It's I like mean, a... they just keep piling <laughs> on like bats and brass knuckles and all kinds of stuff. I just loved it. It's it's like yeah, it's like a Zucker Abram Zucker sort of scene where like uh, someone unloading like guns or, and you just get this big pile. It gets bigger and bigger. And, uh, and what, what surprised me is that um, when he uh, so, so he has them get rid of all their weapons and they says stay here. I'm going to go to the house and take care of the weapons that are in the house. What surprised me is that none of the bikers picked up any of the weapons and sort of stashed them back. I mean, that's a pretty good code of honor that their boss told, their new boss told them, or their new leader, not their boss. You know, he's not giving them out W9s or anything like that. Um, uh, But their new leader has said, um, you know, don't use the weapons. And there's this huge pile of weapons, and not one of the bikers is tempted to be like, you know, I'm going to take this shiv and just put it back in my pocket. You know, these brass knuckles, they, they don't do great out in the sun. I should put them back in here. You know, they, they don't do that. So that's a, a very honorable biker gang. Well, you have to respect that they do. They respect their code. They yes. live by the code. The leader said no. They went with it. So mm-hmm. got to respect the code. Yes. And that scene is fun because um, it's just so – I mean, I, I, I do like the moment when – you know, like um, when they're with the lawyer, when when Jack, uh, Jack and 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 Automan are with the lawyer, and uh, like uh, okay, now we have to go down and talk to the like the city planner, or the state plan or whoever, um, and talk to him about the funds being misappropriated, and and Jack is like, I'll take care of that, and then like five or six tough looking bikers come in. Oh no, the renegades and Chico's gang, and Automan looks out and says, I'll take care of them. And then he turns around and goes, like, yeah, you're darn right you are. And he does. And he does a great job. And it's fun. And it's fun. And yeah. I like – and that great moment where the cursor puts him in the um, – um, what is it? The Automaniacs? I forget what the name of the yes. – Yes. I think it was the Automaniacs, which I would be an Automaniac. <laughs> Me too. He puts sure. him in a leather jacket with a cool cool uh, motorcycle and everything. And cool. he's looking good in his jeans and his jacket. And, and he says something like, uh, cursor, I applaud you on your total lack of taste. Yeah. Because he kind of looked like he should have been in the village people. Yes, yes, he was a little more village people. Well, yeah. you know, he you wasn't. Know. He wasn't quite as as rough and tough looking. He was a little more preppy and YMCA yes. looking. Yes, yes, and and you you and you got to think too. I mean, he gets he and Kershaw like they get a lot of their um, sort of personality and such from Walters personality so maybe walter on the biker side prefers more of a village people style biker to like one of satan sadists or something like that yeah yeah walter's walter's sweater vest was definitely talking there <laughs> I think. yes definitely um uh so let's see um well what else in this one what what do you what do you what else do you have i mean there's a lot that goes on in it um but i was my favorite stuff is just that when they take that tangent and do the 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 um because you you think the scene where the the leader of the bikers says well you can't you know boss them around I'm the leader the only way you could be the leader is by you know besting me in a competition and um <laughs> you think it's just going to be something where like um like Auto Man like jumps a mountain and the guy can't do it but it actually becomes like a long montage set to a cover of Born to Be Wild that goes out for like three or four minutes. You're like, okay, I guess the illegal immigrants and everyone on the bridge and, you know, Walter in trouble, it's, it's not as important <laughs> as showing us this. And technically, at that moment, it wasn't. So they no. were right. They were right. But 
I did like that it because they what they do is they play follow the leader, and so yes. Auto Man does something, and then uh, the leader, the Renegades guy, what is his name? I wrote it down. It's uh, oh JP Crazy. <laughs> so JP Crazy follows him, and so like the first one, it's like they it's crazy. jump like the back of a car or something. They go up like a trailer hitch and, and jump over a back of a car that's going down the road. Yes, they do that, no problems. Mm-hmm. They ride on the railing of a bridge. Which is not yeah. the same bridge that is being rebuilt. No, this is a nicer bridge. It's a nicer bridge. A longer bridge with a bigger drop-off. Mm-hmm. Yes. They ride on the railing of that, no problems. Like, they act like it's effortless. They go to jump a pond, and JP Crazy can't hack it. And I'm like, really? <laughs> That's the stunt you fail on? Yes. Yes, because that, I mean, like, that first stunt, doesn't that defy some physics or something when they jump the truck? Because, I mean... Because it would seem to me that they would be able to do it if the truck wasn't moving. But because the truck is going really fast and suddenly they're in the air, I mean, they have to be going really, really fast. I don't quite understand that stunt. It happens, though. You know, more you, you see it. So, and it's 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 where they, they do the thing where as Auto Man is driving to the back of the this, like, um, uh, sort of, um, uh, it's almost like an El Camino kind of thing or something with like a trailer hitch, and there's all sorts of stuff in the back of it. And he kind, of, they don't quite show how he gets up onto it, because it's like it's almost like a ramp up to it, but it's not quite. But we're, I'm letting it go because it's Auto Man. But then when Mister Crazy does it, I wonder about that. Yeah, I don't know. I do, I do like though that these stunts are intercut with close-ups of our guys yes. on the bikes. <laughs> and it makes me think there's an episode of the monkeys called, Oh shoot. I can't think. I think it's monkeys go wild. Um, but they they pretend to be in a biker gang. The monkeys oh, do. Boy. And they, there's a, there's a montage. One of the romps is them racing an actual biker gang. Mm-hmm. And so there's those close ups, And at one point, um, a guy like walks up to Mike while he's supposed to be racing and like brushes dust off of him. <laughs> and I'm like, I kind of was waiting for that to happen. That's what it looked like. Maybe, maybe see Desi Arsnez Jr. walk by in the background and look at the camera and be like, oh shit, back up. Yeah, with a sandwich. Oh, yes. Oh, jeez. I thought, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but it's that's actually probably my favorite scene in this. Is is that I just think there's something about the 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 fact that like may, maybe they were trying to create an episode where he properly infiltrates a biker gang but they couldn't expand it enough so it's a, just have this little scene let's just do this little bit put it in this episode and let's go and it, <clears throat> it works beautifully nice. um, and uh, Auto Man dressed as a, like a deputy is one of his goofier outfits he he um, he, uh, he he looks fine but he just looks um, he looks very bulky in the um in the deputy outfit, which I mean I guess you'd you'd want him to to be, but because um, there's a scene where he uh he he dry, he suddenly looks like a deputy, so Terry Kaiser's character doesn't you know bother him and Walter talking at the bridge site, and he just kind of looks a little goofy as a deputy, not bad. Yeah, he, he doesn't exactly sell that uniform. No, no, he but doesn't. it it does lead to one of the better funnier lines of the episode because. Terry Kaiser notices his glowing collar, and he's like, "What's with your collar?" And he goes, "Radiation poisoning." Yes. And yes. Terry Kaiser's like, "Okay, you stay over here. I'm gonna be over there." <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I, I do like that uh, Auto Man in that scene where he's like, uh, don't worry, I, I eat scum like this for breakfast, just giving Walter this look, and he keeps insulting Walter over and over again. And Walter's like, come on, Otto, come on. He's like, I thought it was very convincing, Walter. Yeah. I like that he, he implies that, you know, Walter is some sort of dangerous, malevolent scum, yeah. and I'm like, yes. he wears a sweater vest. Yes, it's Even in his prison uniform, you you can yeah. just feel the energy of the sweater vest. Yes, and and uh, and it's Desi Arnaz Jr. Come on, come on. Even at his toughest, I might be a little tougher than he is. Come on. He's harmless. Yes, harmless. Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, so let's see. What else do we have to cover on this one? Um, uh, good, uh, the good guys win the day. Save the day, by the way. Oh, and uh, one question is. Every time this trope is used, does it ha- does the place have to be named Bishop County? Because I could swear every single one of these is named Bishop County. So of course it's Bishop County. Yeah, you know, like a, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's like a curse. Like, like Stu- Stuart Whitman was an evil sheriff there ten years ago, and yeah, I, I remember. I think, yeah, I, yeah. But yeah, I think maybe it's just it's just like the, one of the unwritten rules of the universe. Bishop County, corrupt, that's, corrupt government. Yeah. That's just how it goes. Yeah. Um, so, so let's see. What else do you have in this one? I'm going to make a, a scan of my notes. Um, can we spare a minute to talk about Billy Drago? Because yes, here he is. He's he's playing kind of a a good guy, bad guy because he's technically, uh, you know, the leader of a biker gang, which would automatically pit him as being a a bad guy. And he was accused of taking a pickaxe to the sheriff's water lines, mm. which would, you know, kind of classify him as bad guy. But on the other hand, he's a good guy because they mentioned that he's a, a war vet and yes. that he's doing this to protect his land, his parents' land, and, and protect his sister. So, you know, he's good guy at heart. Mm-hmm. But he, that it's a great opening scene where he's being chased by the cops. And they yeah. kind of he he jumps the the bridge and everything and gets to where Richard Lynch and Terry Kaiser are and at one point he tells them you know those deputies are gonna follow you into hell and swear they got frostbite and I'm like I love yes. that line That's a I great love line. the way you delivered it That's you are line. magnificent sir yes yes he's fantastic yes. it so yeah he was he was really really good and unfortunately underused yes I would I was just about to say that yeah I think so but quite good and I did like the scene where. They're taking them to work on the bridge, and they're, like, packing this van, and there's, like, this huge line of people, and mm-hmm. the, there's already people in the van. I'm like, are they sitting on laps? How many people are you going to put in there? <laughs> I thought they might have gotten it from Ringling Brothers or something. <laughs> it's a clown van. Yeah. yeah. The, the best, best kinds. Um, uh, who – now, who – now, I, I don't – did you have – do you have background on this one? Or any um, cast stuff or – I do have like I wanted to mention one little thing. Oh, because we didn't mention that the the guy Carl Donovan, whatever he was in charge of, that he was supposed to come down and inspect the guy oh, that yes, Jack Burns was talking to. It's Richard Anderson. <laughs> yes, for goodness' from sake. Six million dollar man and Bionic Woman, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, it was great. I, I I I wish he'd been in a little more. He kind of appears, and you're like, what? What's he yeah. doing in this? Yeah, he's he's there for a little bit at the beginning and a little bit towards the end, and that's it. And it's like, well, you're always happy to see Richard Anderson, but you know, we would have liked to see him a little more. The cast is really uh, pretty loaded. 
with a lot of uh, fun stuff here. And it is nice to see them. It, it is interesting. You could sort of think with this, so we're only eight episodes in and they've run out of stories to tell in Los Angeles. That seems a little tricky, but... It's hard but, to have a biker gang in Los Angeles. True, It's hard true. to find the right bridge. Yes, exactly. It's true, true, yeah. And this this is the land of a thousand bridges, Bishop County, Arizona. <laughs> I think it says that in the sign when you go in. Um, uh, I've just I got the bikers on the screen here. They're just hanging out in some of this great, uh, this great, this great background here. All this area. I, I do want to ask: Do you recognize JP Crazy, the lead biker? You know, I do. For the life of me, I couldn't remember exactly who he is. But the whole time I watched him, I was like, I know you. I know well, you. He's, he's been in several things. He was in an episode of Future Cop. But what I know him from best which is I'm, I'm so sorry sir that this is what i know you from mm-hmm. um he played kevin's dad in the movie summer school which oh. is a movie that we probably watched when i was a kid like twice a week <laughs> at an age when we should not have been <laughs> so the instant i saw him i'm like i think that's kevin's dad and i was right what is the actor's name uh it's michael mccray Great. Okay, I'm because I sat there the whole time looking. I'm going. I know you from something, maybe another biker film or something. But he looked so familiar to me. But for some reason, I wouldn't look him up. I refuse to look him up. I don't know why. You know, I set these I set these limits for myself sometimes that I don't fully understand them. Uh, so uh, yeah, what? Would you have anything else on this one? I, th- I think I think I pretty much covered it all here. No, I I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, that's uh, that's Renegade Run. It's a fun episode, not the best episode, but um, you're in it. You 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 come for the actors and stay for Auto Man goofing around with bikers, and vanishing guns and all sorts of craziness, um, and watch people build Richard Lynch's house. It's quite lovely. <laughs> and and. Um, uh, and it's it's fun too. One of the things you can do, and then and then I'll wrap it up, is watch all the extras um, working working around the house, just to see like which ones kind of look like they're working on a house, and which ones are just kind of been given less direction, and are just kind of meandering. You can you can sort of see, you know, like some of them look like they're actually doing things, while others are kind of just like I'm moving i'm touching this tree you know just like just go touch the tree steve you know i because i can see a guy right now who's like just like shaking a plant back and shaking the bushes boss he's just moving a plant back and forth and um it's yeah you know you don't sometimes extras are given a lot of instructions sometimes they're not uh and when you got all these guys here who are cool what are you gonna do so uh so that is uh renegade run and Kristen, where can we find you online or anywhere, in fact? Well, uh, online's best. You can find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. That is the home of my podcast, uh, Bookum Dano, hey. a Y-E-5-O podcast. Uh, I'm cruising through the second season right now. Nice. A lot of fun. And uh, if you want my biker thoughts in real time, you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at kikiwrites. Excellent. Thank you so much. And um, what I'm what I'm actually going to do is something I did a couple episodes ago because this is the this is the um, this is the end of the episode, the last segment of the episode. So I'm going to take you right now to the closing, um, and just let me play you a little blast of music 
Ba 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 ba. That was me pretending to be the theme of Auto Man, and this is the closing of episode ninety-seven, everyone. And yes, I know what you're saying. Is Kristen still there somewhere? Kristen, are you still here? I'm still here. Yay! I decided to incorporate the closing of the episode into our discussion right here. It's fun. Welcome to the closing. How do you feel? I feel fancy. Yeah, it's nice, huh? It's nice to be at the ending. Um, yeah. So, so we're uh, it's eventually supertrain.blogspot.com, Addy Supertrain One on Twitter, eventually Supertrain Facebook. You can email me at uh, Danny D A N N Y Slacks at yahoo.com. And um, yeah, that's it. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. It will be up next time with more on the air, more Nero Wolf, more Auto Man, and um, I would like Kristen to sing a little of the Auto Man theme for us now. <laughs> no. Okay, bye-bye, everyone. Talk to you next time.